Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host, Gemma, and today I am joined by one of my very wonderful colleagues, Lucy Jakes, who is our Acting Head of Policy and Strategy, and she's here to tell us all about our strategic transport plan. Hello to you, Lucy. Hi, Gemma. It's fantastic to uh, have you on the podcast, so thank you very much for joining us. Would you like to start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at TFN? Yeah, sure. So um, I am born and bred from the north. Um, I'm based in Darlington, but um, have lived across the north, Leeds, Liverpool, etc. So, you know, really passionate in terms of um, the north, understand our kind of transport issues and, and really keen to support partners and address those really. Um, in terms of my role at TFN, um, as acting head of policy and strategy, I'm leading on uh, the plans for our second strategic transport plan. Um, so that's a series of policy development that feeds into that, building the evidence base and bringing that together into what will be our second strategic transport plan. Fantastic. And I know you've been at TFN for a few years now and do lots of uh, really interesting work and so important that um, the current project in terms of this, um, this uh, revision of the strategic transport plan. For those who maybe haven't heard of the STP, one of our um, very common uh, three-letter acronyms, there are many of them, tell us a little bit about the STP, published in 2019, and why is that such an important document for the North? Yeah, so our STP, is, as we refer to it, um, essentially is our statutory responsibility. So fundamentally, it, it's kind of really central to what TFN is here to do. And the kind of premise behind the STP really is to work with our partners to identify the transport priorities for the whole of the North, those long-term priorities. And what the STP does, it brings it together to speak with one voice for the North in terms of the priorities, but also the North's vision as well. So we kind of have that collective uh, view of what the North wants to see. And then we use the STP to kind of drive forward what transport interventions we might need to deliver that over the next kind of 20, 30 years. I know it was a, a massive piece of work to, to develop and deliver the STP. And you mentioned the, the sort of One North, One Voice approach there. And it, it really did bring the whole region together um, under the banner of, of TFN to say, to, to set out what it is we need in terms of connectivity, how we can deliver economic growth, more jobs, better access um, and all of these things that we're, that we're still championing today. For those who tune into our board meetings, they will have heard already about the um, revision of the STP, STP2, um, in, in shorthand is the, the easiest way to refer to it. Why do we need to update this document? Yeah, so with, as you mentioned, Gemma, you know, the first STP was published in and approved and published in February 2019. But actually, again, you know, these processes take quite a long time. So a lot of the evidence that underpins that was was probably developed in 2017, 2018. And, you know, it's really important to recognise that the political, social and economic landscape is, has really dramatically changed in that intervening time period. So, you know, things such as like COVID, Brexit, the government's um, net zero commitments now, um, things such as levelling up, etc. You know, that whole kind of landscape in which we're operating now 
um, has has drastically changed. So, you know, it's absolutely the right time for us to go back and relook at kind of the North's ambitions and vision, but also, you know, what 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 we now need to do to deliver on that vision based on on where things are. Um, equally as well, it's really important at the moment to to be thinking about this because you know, as as you know, and as hopefully some of the listeners know, you know, a key role for TFN is about influencing national government and local partners around what needs to happen at those other spatial levels. Um, and that there's a really key kind of role for us over the next sort of nine to twelve months to to be looking to influence national highways uh, work streams. So they're currently developing their route strategies and their road investment. Uh, program their third road investment program so they're they're working through a process to do that and similarly on the rail side with the establishment of great british railways they're also establishing a long-term strategy for rail across the whole of the country and you know it's really important that tfn's influencing those in the right way and making sure that what the north wants to see as part of those uh, different investment schemes is is truly represented. You're right to um, uh, mention some of those kind of changes and developments, even just over the last uh, two years alone. Um, feels like I've not said the C word for a while, but COVID has had a massive impact on our travel behaviours and patterns, and we have to start rethinking some of the the ways we we get around. You also touched on there in terms of updating the the kind of research and the evidence that that underpins the ST. Um, you know, again, things things do move on quite considerably um, within even a few years um, and, and government national policies and ambitions and strategies as well. Just the, the past um, 18 months or so alone, we've had Bus Back Better levelling up. Um, the William Shapps white paper, the integrated rail plan, you know, many, many of these documents are coming out. And again, we need to keep our eyes on those, understand how they feed in, how they can impact what we're doing and what the North needs. And I suppose a, a part of reworking and, and revising an incredibly important and very big document like this is, as you say, it does take time. So the, the revised STP, the final document, is likely to be sort of end 2023, early 2024, I think. I'm sure you'll correct me on that if I've got that wrong. So, you know, even then we're talking still some time away. So in the meantime, things are, things are happening along the way and we're publishing and implementing things along the way. Part of those is policy positions. So tell us a little about what's a policy position? How do they um, form part of the, the STP revision? that time scale you talked about is right in terms of when we're hoping to have the final STP2 kind of adopted, if you like. But that time scale feeding into that, you know, means, you know, we're hoping to have a draft version of that signed off by our partners by next March, so March 2023, before we have a full public consultation. So, you know, the process for that actually means, you know, we've got a few months to pull all of that evidence together and, and make sure we're really clear on what we want to say in STP2. Um, but yeah, the policy positions are really key to supporting us in doing that, really. So essentially what the policy positions are, are doing is they're trying to clearly articulate, I guess, the North's challenges, but also opportunities across a number of different policy themes. Um, so whether those policy themes are active travel, multimodal hubs, social inclusion, you know, there's a, a really wide range of kind of different policy areas that you know, we need to understand what the North's view of that is and what we want to see moving forward. So the policy positions, as I say, identify the challenges currently, the context in which we're operating. So that's at 
all levels, you know, what's national government's role, what's local government's role, what's TFN's role. But they also try to identify, you know, TFN's own short to medium term priorities. So what I mean by that is essentially what, you know, what TFN and, and our offices are going to do in the next, you know, not to five years to support improvements or, or, or to move these policy areas forward and um, essentially to align to the partner aspirations. So within each policy position, there's a number of kind of actions identified um, and they're what we'll, we'll be planning to kind of take forward, you know, over the next um, couple of years, really. Um, but the policy positions themselves, they'll be used and they'll be embedded throughout STP2. So, you know, we need to be really clear on what, as I say, what the North's view of of those different areas are, what our challenges are and what we want to see. So it's a way of us kind of, like you say, breaking down what is it, you know, a huge piece of work in terms of STP2, breaking that down into bite-sized chunks. So looking in depth with our partners at specific issues, figuring out what we want to say on that, um, and then pulling all of that together into a document that we've had signed off by our board, we can publish on our website, and equally we can then, once it's been signed off, use that to inform our statutory advice when required to government. So that's, you know, a really key role for us and all of these policy areas, even though the STP timeline in terms of having the draft in place or the final one feels quite a way away, you know, we need to be influencing on that now. So the policy uh, positions enable us to do that really. It allows us to speak with that one voice, to provide that statutory advice, also make sure there's a consistent approach across our work streams uh, within TFN and, and make sure, you know, both internally and with our partners we're all really clear in terms of what tfn's role is versus what what's the role of other bodies and, and to put it really really plainly and forgive me please lucy but they're doing these policy positions and other elements of the stp2 work in those bite-sized chunks it, you know it means it allows us to to crack on so to speak you know to get things moving to keep that story going to keep that one north vision and ambition um at the forefront and, and, and keep painting that picture of what the North needs. There are two policy positions that have already been published, which is what we're going to look at today. So they are regarding active travel and multimodal hubs. For anybody who wants to see them, they're available on our website at transportforthenorth.com. You'll get to them either through the strategic transport plan page from the top menu or if you head over to the reports and publications page on the on the website you'll get to them there as well so give it give us an insight into the active travel and the multimodal hubs policy positions please lucy tell us about those um aims and objectives and those action points that are set out within them so i'll start with active travel first um if i may active travels are uh you know, a really important area in terms of, you know, transport policy and um, particularly in light of, you know, the decarbonisation agenda as well. So, you know, active travel has always been really prominent for our local transport authorities in their local transport plans because it's all about sustainability. But I think, you know, in that transition period between our first SDP and where we are now, there's definitely been, you know, a bit more of a um, a discussion with partners now around what TFN's role is within that space. So I think it's probably fair to say historically, you know, there was a view that, you know, it, active travel predominantly is very local. So, you know, is there a role for a pan-regional body such as TFN within that space? And 
you know, as I say, going back three, four years now, and 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 like you mentioned at the start, I've been at TFN a while. So, you know, a couple of years ago when we would talk about this topic, you know, there was definitely mixed opinions around whether or not it's, you know, within the sphere of influence for TFN. I think this, you know, like other areas, absolutely has, you know, shifted in the mindset in, in, in the last couple of years, particularly related to the decarbonisation agenda and, you know, the net zero um, target that government have committed to by 2050, but even, you know, the commitments that we've made through our own decarb strategy. So, you know, active travel is one of the tools to enable modal shift and to support decarbonisation. So I think it's within that vein that we've kind of looked at this really. And again, you know, there's a lot of challenges in delivering active travel at the very local level and the policy position identifies those and we've worked with partners to really kind of drill down into those and understand those in some detail. But fundamentally, a lot of the challenges in terms of active travel at the local level are around kind of piecemeal um, competitive funding bids that are used to kind of uh, deliver active travel schemes. So, you know, it, there's not kind of a sustained method or approach to active travel and there hasn't been, you know, for a number of years really. So that's a real challenge for our partners to deliver the schemes that they want to deliver in this space. So, you know, really understanding that challenge, you know, clearly there's a role for TFN there at the pan-regional level to not only articulate that challenge back to government, but think about collectively what potentially could the solutions be moving forward? So that's very much kind of the, the space in which the policy position has been developed, really. And within this remit, there's probably four kind of, I guess, key actions we've we've worked with partners to identify as sort of the role for TFN within this remit. The first one is around promoting and supporting sustained investment in active travel. So again, it's that point around, you know, these short-term funded projects while they're good at getting schemes off the ground, it doesn't enable partners to make sure the infrastructure's, you know, maintained to a certain standard. It doesn't necessarily provide confidence to the public, you know, that they might want to look to kind of shift their journeys to active travel because, you know, there might be, you know, a cycle scheme within one part of your local authority, but not another. And so, you know, it's not a joined up approach, essentially. And a lot of that comes down to funding. So there's absolutely a role for TFN there to make the case to government around what we want to see. And it's about that sustained investment at the local level. We also need to think about, you know, the schemes within our own investment programme, you know, how we make sure that those schemes themselves are embedding and prioritising active travel within the design and development process. So again, it's about working with partners to do that. So, you know, cycling and walking infrastructure, you know, is very much linked to the road network and, you know, roads don't necessarily always mean cars. And I think that's a really key point we need to get across. But thinking about, you know, how we embed and prioritise active travel within the schemes that sit in our investment programme is really critical. And um, the next kind of, you know, key action, I guess, for TFN is around raising the profile of active travel more generally. So partly that's to do with the public. So, you know, how do we encourage modal shift? How do we encourage people to get out their cars and to walk or cycle? You know, so there has to be kind of some promotion of active travel and the benefits of that. Um, but the other part of that is, again, is around, you know, making this case around you know, sustained investment and how we do that. So 
things such as you know working with MPs, working with other wider groups um, that work within this remit to really raise the profile of active travel and what else is needed to truly deliver, you know, mode shift and transformational change linked to decarbonisation. So, so, you know, again, we sort of see there's a role for TFM within that space, uh, working with partners. The next one is around um, collating and promoting examples of best practice and innovation. So again, you know, there's loads of great kind of local schemes and um, loads of great examples of, you know, really innovative approaches different different local authorities across the north have taken to encouraging and supporting and putting the infrastructure in place for active travel schemes. But sometimes those lessons aren't always widely spread. You know, we need to kind of share those lessons learned really and enable our partners to learn from each other. So, you know, there's, that's absolutely a role for TFN. You know, we bring together, you know, all of these partners across the north and uh, into our forums and there's, there's a real opportunity there to really kind of discuss and promote those best practice examples, but also collectively think about what other solutions might be needed. So that's absolutely a role for us. And then the final kind of role for us, which, you know, is consistent across all the policy positions we've been developing. But as you know, building the evidence base is a really kind of fundamental part of what TFN's there to do. So whether that's an evidence base that we're using to support our own business cases or that partners can use or that we use to influence government, that evidence base is really critical. So the analytical framework, which essentially is our, our technical tools that enable us to demonstrate the, the evidence and, and make that case um, is really is really pivotal. So, you know, there's an opportunity to utilise that analytical framework, so those technical tools to demonstrate what is possible and where it might be possible and to support in, in making improved business cases for more sustained investment. So they're kind of essentially the key kind of roles we think there are for TFN. I think just, just before I kind of finish off and let you come in, Gemma, but I think the last thing to kind of say on active travel, which is really important for listeners to note really is in terms of why why are we doing this now and why it's important, the government have recently kind of announced and, and it, it's currently being established Active Travel England, which is the first kind of group that's funded through government that will look at kind of standards in walking and cycling and and look at how to make consistent improvements moving forward so you know that's a new body that's being set up but there's absolutely a role for TFN to play in influencing what they prioritize so through our work at this kind of pan-regional level you know we're engaging with Active Travel England we're keen to work with them think about collectively how can we think about solutions in terms of the active travel space that will really kind of support people kind of you know whether it's getting out of their cars and and, and walking and cycling but also the health benefits of all of that. Um, I, there's, there's so much in there Lucy and, and, and thank you for giving such um, a, a thorough insight so if anybody um, doesn't necessarily want to go away and read the the full policy position Lucy's given you a, a, a really useful um, insight there and um, you you said many and um, kind of uh, touched on many of the sort of themes or areas of activity within that that I know will come up through 
the other policy positions and, and, and all of all of TFN's work um, as a whole, really, you know, partnerships, joining things up, sharing learning, creating evidence bases, you know, all of this sort of regionalised one north approach looking at the, the bigger picture. So it's, it's really interesting to hear how that's going to come to life um, in regards to active travel specifically. The other policy position that has already been published is on multimodal hubs. So tell us, I mean, what is a multimodal hub and what, what does the, the policy position set out in this area? Well, a multimodal hub essentially is a place uh, that brings together, you know, different modal aspects of transport. A good example is is often railway stations and the, the, the revamped lead station comes to mind. It's, you know, of course, a train station. There is the um, cycle hub right on the doorstep. The buses all stop right down the side of the station. And then you've got the uh, the taxi rank kind of round the back as well, plus right in the city centre. So I guess that's a, a useful example and probably one that sit, um, train stations, park and rides, those kind of things people can imagine. Absolutely, yeah. And the other thing, you know, that's really important about multimodal hubs and I guess the policy and how we've developed this with partners is we have to have a flexible place-based approach to supporting multimodal hubs and, and even to the definition of multimodal hubs, because like you say, not every multimodal hub has all of those facilities you just mentioned at Leeds, but it's absolutely that concept. So it's about where different transport modes come together. Um, and and it's about, you know, how do we support that so that there can be more integrated journeys, really? Absolutely. So what, what does the what does our policy position set out in this area? What, what are the key actions for, for TFN in this regard? Yeah, so there's, a, you know, again, a number of actions that we've kind of developed with partners, really. You know, one of the key kind of actions is around, you know, how we'll work with our partners to identify locations for future development of multimodal hubs or improvements to existing multimodal hubs. So this, again, is all about how we make that case to government for investment. So, you know, again, another good example of, of this as a live thing is Crew Hub. Um, so people have talked about that. So that's where HS2 is going into Crew, but it's about how you get the other, how you get people to the station. And, you know, there has to be kind of multimodal aspects to that. So, you know, that's a real live example at the moment, but essentially, again, it's about working with our partners to understand within their own local transport plans and strategies and uh, development plans even, so spatial plans, you know, where are the opportunities for potentially future multimodal hubs? Because again, at the heart of this, it plays back into that decarbonisation agenda. If ultimately we want to achieve our net zero goals, we need to encourage mode shift. And the way that we do that is we have to better connect places within the north and those interconnections are really important so that's kind of the concept around multimodal hubs also you know it's about how we work the partners to, to make improvements to existing multimodal hubs so there might be some places in the north that have some aspects of that multimodality but perhaps there's other elements of it that are missing at the moment and again it's about how do we use our analytical tools our data our evidence to support them in either making the case to government for investment, making the case to the private sector around how some of these solutions could, could be utilised within certain geographies and um, to really kind of essentially 
put the users at the high. You know, it really should be easy for people to travel around the north. And that's kind of the concept of it. You know, a multimodal hub enables those different connections so people can get from one place to the next place. But however they want to kind of travel in between those places is really critical. As I say, in terms of actions, it's about utilising our evidence base, so the data that we have and um, the, the capabilities we've got through that analytical framework and those modelling tools. So it's about how we use those to support developing business cases, providing evidence to the wider spatial context. So, you know, within within our analytical framework, we've got a really good understanding of different localities in the north and what their aspirations are for future housing, where they're going to locate future businesses, etc. And really understanding that helps us identify where there's potentials for, for new multimodal hubs and what should they look like, what types of modes of transport should be feeding into those, should we be encouraging and working with the private sector to think about like car clubs within specific areas, um, e-scooters, all of these kind of future transport mobility options that I'm sure the listeners have heard many colleagues at TFN talk about electric vehicles, etc. All these things kind of feed into a multimodal hub, really. And it's about kind of enabling, enabling people to kind of travel around. But the principles of what a multimodal hub looks like um, and then building the evidence base around what exists already, how how multimodal specific locations are and what else could be done is really critical. Um, and then the final kind of a core action, I guess, for us in this space, it kind of links across to our freight and logistics strategy. So the, the work that we've done today is very much focused on passengers primarily. So one of the things that we've now added as an action, I guess, in our freight and logistics strategy is around developing a, a further piece of work to really understand and look at freight multimodal hubs, because that's quite a different proposition yeah. again. So thinking about where warehousing needs to be located uh, in relation to the rail network, in relation to the road network, etc., and and things like that. So again, that's another kind of piece of work that's falling out of the original passenger multimodal hubs piece. But to really do a deep dive into what what multimodal hubs look like for freight, what the operating model needs to be, what best practice looks like, etc. So that's that's something that we're going to be prioritising over the next kind of coming months really to start to work with partners to understand that area a lot more because it's very nuanced. Yeah, absolutely. I know you're working very closely with um, our colleague uh, Lucy Hudson, um, who's leading on the the freight and logistics strategy work. It's really interesting to, to see that kind of link up there. And I think the, the thing that, that jumps out is that there, there's so much interconnectivity between modes of transport between you know what we can do for passengers what we can do for freight and between all of these different areas of work these different policy positions active travel isn't separate from multimodal hubs you know not separate from spatial planning not separate from international connectivity and all the other pieces of the jigsaw as well so again brings us back to that that one north joined up approach seeing transport within the bigger picture because it does all have to connect and work together across all those different spaces um you know physically and otherwise we're going to come back on a future episode lucy and talk about the policy positions that i know you're currently uh, working on so the next two in the in the pipeline are regarding spatial planning and rural mobility is there any sort of final thoughts from you from yourself lucy on active travel and multimodal hubs positions that we've talked about today across all of these policy positions 
you know, to develop them, you know, you look at them within their current remit, but there's so much cross-cutting nature between them all, actually, that ultimately that's where it ends up feeding into STP2. It's how it becomes part of that bigger picture. So you're absolutely right. But I think it's about, you know, what are our priority actions within each, but then as the sum of the part of all of them, that's where it feeds into STP2. Thank you so much, Lucy, for coming and give us, giving us your uh, your time and expertise. It's much appreciated. Uh, thank you to listeners for tuning in. As we said, the um, active travel and multimodal hubs policy positions are now available on the TFN website. Uh, you'll find them within the reports page and also on the strategic transport plan page. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter for all the latest. We will be shouting about the publication of the next two policy positions. Uh, and of course, please do come back and listen to the next podcast when Lucy will be back to talk to us about those. So thanks again, Lucy, and thank you to listeners. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.